0: Hello and welcome to Governor the podcast. As always, I am Abdullah and I am joined with introduce yourself.
1: I'm Samia Mounts, voice actor and producer director of VoiceOver Sessions. Hi, Abdullah. Nice to meet you.
0: So, first question is the obvious one, but we got to get it out the way. How did you get started?
1: I have a very weird story. Um, I grew up in an Air Force family and we were stationed in Seoul, Korea a couple of times when I was growing up uh Korea has a huge English education industry, Um, you know, for better or worse, in that country and a lot of the Far East Asian countries, probably excepting China, uh, learning English is a ticket to having a more prominent career. So everybody is trying to learn English, uh, children, adults alike. For that reason, there's a huge demand for native English speakers who have nice sounding voices and good articulation to record educational materials and to dub animated series and live action series and record commercials and everything that you can possibly imagine. Um, so when I was 13, I got tapped to start recording singing voices on a television show for kids. Through that, I met my agent, who I still have a relationship with, um, and worked for him for many years as a voice actor in Seoul, all through high school, every college break. Um, And then by the time I got to New York in 2008, I had like 12 years of experience. So I I had a leg up and, uh, you know, kept building the career in New York. And here we are. Uh, I'm 25 years into my voiceover career, and I'm not 40, not even 40 yet. So it's kind of nuts.
0: And uh, you know, you mentioned you got your start in Seoul. Uh, I'm wondering, like, what is the voiceover industry like there? Because usually the people I talk to are usually in 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 either the states or Canada. But I've never you're the first person I've had on the show who's been in like in <laughs> in Korea of all places.
1: Yeah, it's it sounds so random, but it actually makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, if you know anything about the history of Korea, they executed this mind blowing transformation from being a country that was kicked around by bigger countries for you know thousands of years um, to within fifty years becoming uh, you know a global power. Um, so there's been this real hustle in Korea to to drive up their international profile to get people to you know, see them as a country worth visiting, worth touring, worth doing business with, worth studying in. And they've been so successful in that. And the voiceover industry uh, erupted alongside those efforts because in order to reach the Western world, they needed to have promotional materials in English. Um, In order to do business with the Western world, they needed to have people who could speak English because English, you know, again, for better or worse. And I'm so very aware of the negative repercussions of Western imperial Realistic colonialism and all that, all that terrible stuff. Um, but you know, it it did. I benefited from it, of course, as a white presenting cisgender, well, pangender, but cisgender presenting person so yeah i mean there's just so much there's there was so much need for native english speakers who could act who could sing in the 90s when i started it's just gotten bigger since then and now you're seeing expat actors in Seoul showing up in television shows like squid game and those same actors who are in the big shows are also doing voiceover work because that is the bread and butter so it's it's everything it's everything from dubbing to commercials to narrations for promo videos and corporate videos um uh what else is there live action dubbing is getting really really big especially now with the the new netflix effort to get global shows more audiences um we also do <laughs> a ton. The Korean voice, the Korean expat voice actors do a ton of English educational material, and I still work in that industry, but now in the capacity of a producer director. So that'll be everything from teaching little baby, little babies and toddlers English, so really, really kid centric stuff, to stuff for older kids, um, and then also materials for adults learning programs. Um, I produce kids content, which is really, really fun. Uh, there's a YouTube channel I do stuff for, and also a bunch of different educational programs for different clients in Korea. But yeah, you just, if you started it in Korea, like I did, and there's a very small pool of us who have this experience, you basically went through voiceover bootcamp because there was so much work, a very small talent pool. We're talking like, you know, back when I started, there were maybe 15 to 20 people who were doing it. Um, And so we could all work every single day. I, I used to record, like on summer breaks from college, I'd be recording six to eight hours in different studios across the city, Monday through Saturday. It's It it was nuts. There's so, so much work. And there's still so much work, although the talent pool has grown significantly as word has gotten out. (laughs) So it's a little bit harder to fill your schedule like that these days. But it's still possible. And there are still people who do.
0: I mean, especially with um, the eSports scene being what it is now, I'm pretty sure, like, there's a huge demand for, you know, uh, video game voiceover. Oh, yeah. So...
1: I totally forgot about video games. Yes, video games are huge there and they're getting bigger all the time. There's several big companies in Korea that are producing video games and they're getting into, you know, motion capture, doing, doing so much video game work. Um, and they all, they want local actors to do the English language versions of what they're doing. They don't want to have to, pay out to get somebody far away because they like having their hands deep in the creative process, which I think is great. So like my first ever motion capture work was in Korea um, when I was just there on like a brief stint directing a project and someone asked me if I would if I would do motion capture and I did a few sessions. and It was so much fun. Um, so, yeah, it's it's what's dope about the Korean expat acting market is that you can do pretty high level jobs without necessarily having to, you know, climb the ranks and go through so much heartache and rejection the way you do in the major markets here because the talent pool is so much smaller and there's still so much work. So it, yeah, that's that's how I came up. <laughs> I had a lot of uh, confidence behind the mic by the time I got to New York City, which helps a lot in a market like that.
0: I mean, it sounds like they took uh, v- vo more seriously than they do in than they did in the states. Because, you know, and and this not to knock anybody, you know, I think the vo industry is great. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing this podcast. But I think one of the things I've noticed is, you know, uh, va when I was growing up was just was seen as like lesser work. Was seen like as that thing that actors did when they were quote-unquote washed up and they couldn't get work anymore so it's like ah, just go do voiceover that's what that's mm-hmm. what everyone that's what everyone does and it wasn't until like i think a couple of years ago or a couple decades ago that it did people finally realize oh wait you know there's this huge industry that no one is seeing and uh you know that didn't get a lot of mainstream love until recently but i think You know, from what I'm hearing, you know, in Korea, they're like, you know, we want, you know, we, we strive to, you know, we're, we're taking this very seriously and we're striving to get, to get our our VO, uh, VO, uh, business, businesses, uh, up to standard.
1: Well, that's interesting. I haven't experienced, uh, in my career, at least any kind of looking down the nose at voice actors, um, what you, what you just described. I haven't. I haven't run into that at all. Um, I've also always had a really strong appreciation for how hard voice acting is. Um, oh, excuse me, I have a frog in my throat. <clears throat>, <clears throat> voice actor, light clearing of the throat. <laughs> um, yeah, I haven't experienced that. That's uh, maybe that maybe that was happening. I don't know. I've always I've always had such a respect for how hard it is and how much skill it requires. Um, and I don't know I don't know that there was like any kind of difference in in the market I came up in versus the. US markets about how seriously they took it because all of my experience in the US markets has been you know operated at a very high standard um, and I would even argue to say a higher standard than what you would typically see in the Korean expat market, especially when I was coming up simply because there wasn't that much talent to work with. So when you've got a smaller pool of talent and you're constantly trying to find new people and train new people, you're you're naturally going to be working um, at a slightly lower level than if you had this humongous talent pool of trained actors with tons of credits and, you know, conservatory degrees, et cetera, et cetera. So, so I don't know if I would agree with that, but, you know, everybody's got different experiences.
0: Now, I mean, I'm just talking from like, you know... My, you know, the way I I see it. I mean, obviously, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying you, everyone should agree with me because I don't. I really, you know, that's that's not what this is. I'm just, uh, just, uh, it's just my observation, is what it is. Stop telling me through. what to think,
1: Abdullah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> But, but yeah, no, I think that's like one of the things I love about doing this show is that every time I ask someone like how to get started, no one has the same story. Everyone has like an origin story. And I love that. I really do.
1: Yeah, it's cool. There are, there are infinite paths to, you know, every destination. Um, One thing I've found over and over again is a lot of people just kind of fall into this. It, It happens to them. It happened to me. I didn't, I didn't set out. I wanted to be a musical theater actor. Um, I didn't set out to be primarily a voice actor, uh, but, you know, sometimes life happens to you and I love the work, so I'm not complaining.
0: <laughs> I mean, it was the only industry that thrived during the pandemic, so, you know, you can't really complain I mean,
1: <laughs> oh my gosh, and I was so lucky with that. I, I went nearly my whole career without ever wanting to put down the cash for a home studio. And for some reason, for some reason in, in the fall of 2019, I was like, you know what? I have some money. Let me just finally do it. And I contracted a friend of mine to build a booth for me and I got this great mic and this great interface and I, I got Pro Tools. I did the whole thing. And then COVID hit and I was like, Oh my God. I am the luckiest person in the universe right now. Um, yeah, it's been. It's been hard for everybody, you know, for all of the reasons that we can all relate to, but definitely for actors, if you are a voice actor with a home studio and a list of clients that keep coming back, you have done better than most. And for that I count my blessings.
0: Now I was just about to ask because um I I've talked to people who unfortunately didn't have home studios when the pandemic hit and they had to mm-hmm. they had scramble. to build they had to scramble and I remember God, remember when the pandemic first started and you just couldn't find anything online? Like everything on Amazon was sold out because everyone was just like panic buying everything. Yep. And, and I was like, okay, how long is this going to last? Because, uh, oh boy.
1: <laughs> right. And now it kind of feels like the whole industry has changed uh, to favor home studios. I mean, a lot of clients have realized how much money they can save bypassing the professional recording studio. Um, and there's still clients that will bring you into a studio. I just did a session. I was in New York for a a family thing and, you know, it just happened to align with a client that wanted a talent who could come into the studio. So I got this job that I may not have gotten otherwise. So that's still out there. Um, and you know, it's starting to come back. Um, the projects I direct, I work with a lot of kids, so I bring them into the studio but more and more I'm seeing like home studio preferred doesn't matter where the talent is in the world, as long as they have source connect. And it's, you know, I think, I think from here on out, not having a home studio is going to be way more of a handicap than it used to be. Like I said, I went a couple decades without having one and I was fine, but I don't, I don't know that that's going to be the case going forward.
0: No, I've said this before in previous episodes. Even back when the pandemic started, I, I think like one of the biggest things that was going to change, you know, going forward is was that studios were going to realize they could save up a lot of money by just having people record from home, and that was what was going to happen. Well, that's yeah. basically what's happened already because they realized, oh well we're already working especially with shows like you know um with with animated shows where they where they used to record ensemble i think they realized well you know instead of working via everyone's schedules and trying to get everyone together via studio time or whatever we could just have them record from home or via zoom or whatever Yeah, I
1: do think you lose something there, though. I'm going to I'm going to put that out there. I think you lose something if you're doing an ensemble piece where people are, you know, interact, characters are interacting with each other a lot. If you just have solo voice actors in a booth, you can you can often tell, (laughs) you know, there's something there's something a little unnatural about the back and forth. Like you can tell they're not really responding to each other. And that I mean, I love those ensemble sessions. I've done a lot of them. They're so much fun. And it's so different from what you normally experience as a voice actor because you're usually just alone in a booth um, for most kinds of projects. But when you get the chance to record animation with everybody there, oh, oh, there's that human connection. It's so good. I hope that doesn't go away.
0: No, I agree with you because I've said before, like I've especially been critical of shows that had to record during the pandemic because I could tell – like, wait a minute, something's not right here, because I could tell, like, the delivery was slightly off, and, like, yeah. there was one episode where someone didn't have the, pro- the best uh, mic quality, and you could tell that they had to record with what they had, and, you know, uh, God bless the engineers, because they had to make that sound good, but it was still noticeable, and I'm like, okay, a kid would not notice that, but... You well know. there you go who's your target audience <laughs> yeah, i know I know. a kid might not notice that but the parents watching with them would probably be like oh wait, wait that didn't sound very good
1: and you know i have to say like like hats off to all of the creators the engineers the voice actors the writers the 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 mixers everybody who has made it work during the pandemic i mean like i am i am loath to criticize the output of anybody who kept making things during this last terrible hard horrific two years so you know i'd rather they make the things and sacrifice a little perfection and then not make the things at all.
0: No, I was worried because, you know, when this first started, I was like, okay, how are they going to be doing things? Because, like, there are a lot of shows that were in production when the pandemic hit. And I'm like, okay, how is this going to affect production? And, you know, the studios were like, hey, we're going to try our best to get these done in time. And unfortunately, in some cases, that unfortunately required crunch, which I'm not a fan of. I think that is like the wrong way to 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 go by, you know, the wrong way to do things. But, you know, um, you know. Did you say crunch? Life, yeah.
1: <laughs> what do you mean, like in a time crunch, or is that yeah, a yeah, term? Yeah, yeah, a lot of, Oh, okay. A
0: lot, yeah, a lot of episodes were done via done via, uh, you know, a limited a limited time. Uh, yeah. And I just felt sorry for those animators and people who, on Twitter, were like, "Hey, you know, we we have been struggling for the past months to get these episodes done on time and." You know, if I mean, you notice if you notice any errors, that's the whole that's, entertainment
1: industry.
0: You know <laughs> like if, if you notice any errors in, in the animation or whatever, then you know we only had like a limited time to do this, so I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> yeah, but honestly, I think I think perfection's overrated. Um, and across the entertainment industry, not just not just in uh, you know, storytelling, um, but also in music, uh, there's been this real sort of soul, soul crushing thing lately about perfection and where, where the standards for everything are becoming so high and everything is so perfect. I feel like you lose a little soul. You know, I, I would so much rather see something that was made with a lot of heart and soul and isn't perfect than something that, you know, is refined to perfection. Um, and again, like that's the industry, like Especially in commercials, but often in animation, you know, it's like get this done five minutes ago. Go, <laughs> and and that's that's why I always say that capitalism ruins art because the only reason for tight deadlines is to is to make sure that you know the money machine is working. Um, so you know, it's it's a constant balance and push and pull. But I I just maintain that everybody who has kept making things the last couple of years um, and making things ever are heroes to me. So yeah. That's my take on that.
0: No, I mean it's tough trying to stay creative during these times because like honestly, you know, you just look at anything and there's always it's just I don't I'm going to be brutally honest here. I really don't understand the world anymore. I'm just I'm at that point where
1: you I, just I, got I, to that point? <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I mean well, I mean for past 2 years I I just I just don't understand anything anymore, but and that's why I'm like, you know what? I just wanna spend an entire day just watching old episodes of cartoons or whatever because I, I'm just I'm just tired, man. I need escape. Oh, and me. that's
1: what and that's what they're there for, to give people a break, you know. Um I kinda think that's beautiful. And I, I relate. I don't I don't understand the world either. I haven't understood the world for a while. Um, you know, how do you have a place with so much ineffable beauty and so much horrific cruelty and so much just random bullshit uh, you know, all at the same time. Like it's, it, it, it's, it's hard to wrap your brain around and, and all you can do is try to establish a value system for yourself that, that you can believe in and, and create as much good in your own, you know, circle of influence as you possibly can. Um, you know, find as much joy as you possibly can, love as much as you possibly can. Um, that's that's all you can do because it, it doesn't make sense. This world does not make sense <laughs> at all. We have we have values that are that are upheld by you know almost every culture on the planet, but our systems don't abide by them. You know, like we have this idea of like treating people with respect and every human being has inherent value, but the way our world works doesn't operate according to those rules or values at all. So, yeah, I, I get you. I get you. And that is what art is for. Art is there to save us.
0: Yeah. And, but, you know, you fun, it's funny you mentioned that because, like, you know, because I mentioned this before, I listened to a lot of podcasts with creators and it's just horrifying, like, ha- having to listen to them just break down and, and, and just like try so hard to get this thing done in time or just like try to find joy you know in in doing anything because the past 2 years have just been tough on everybody and and I just hate I really hate this idea that oh well because we have so much free time now we can write the next american the greatest american novel or whatever but no
1: right Stop that it. pressure <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, Stop putting unwanted pressure on yourself. Stop it, please. Because I did that and it messed me up. It really did. And, you know, I, I, I look back at some of the episodes I recorded during the pandemic when, you know, during the height of the pandemic. And I'm like, man, like, these are rough to listen to because you could tell I've been going through
1: a lot. So. Aww. What was your, what was your project that, what was your great, you know, great masterpiece that you were going to try to do during the pandemic?
0: Oh, which one? Because I got a few. Oh, there were a few, huh? (laughs) I had a few too. (laughs) If you you got like a, if you got like three hours, I'll tell you all about them.
1: (laughs) Things definitely got easier when I started giving myself more of a break and and just realizing, like, how am I supposed to be at my creative best when I can't travel, I can't see my friends, you know, I'm stuck in my house, like all the things that normally inspire me, I can't do. So how am I supposed to write my great American novel or write my best album ever or, you know, or like the book that I've been that I've been thinking about for years like how am I supposed to do it when all of my sources of inspiration are cut off from me and I applaud the people who've managed to do things like that like good for them and that's great but I was not there (laughs) I think it's okay and it's okay that you weren't either
0: no I got angry at like the weirdest thing on Twitter where I saw like a person i'm not going to say who but like a person posted a picture of her and her you know significant other and and they were happy during like the absolute worst you know you know worst uh worst time of the pandemic and i really wanted to go like you know how dare you how dare you be happy <laughs> like, How dare you find love and comfort with another human being?
1: (laughs) Oh, I know what you mean. I tried. I I actually I had a I had an easier time than most. I had just gotten married right before COVID hit and had moved out of New York City uh, after being there for 12 years and moved to Colorado, which is beautiful and, you know, wide open spaces, way lower cost of living. It was just, again, like a really prescient move not knowing what was coming that really saved my butt so i'm like a newlywed in a beautiful place like buying a house when everyone else in my industry is suffering horribly and i just didn't post that much during that time so i hope i hope that i didn't make anybody
0: angry like those people on twitter made you angry i'm so sorry no, I mean, and and it was like, and and I just look back at that moment. I'm like, who are you to 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 think that? Like, that is like such a stupid thought to think about. Where it's like, it's very narrow minded. It's like, oh well, just because I'm going through some you know terrible stuff right now and I'm struggling to to um, to you know uh, keep up, doesn't mean you should like feel resentment towards people who have found happiness.
1: Oh, but it's so that?
0: natural. And as okay. long as you didn't yeah. like
1: go slam them online and try to do something to hurt them. I think
0: it's okay to feel things. It's okay to feel things. <laughs> I mean, but but I mean that that's just how I feel. It's like I was just it was weird cuz they were just like you know, just looking at that. I'm like and and again, like you you know, being a man, you you know, I honestly think you know, you have this thought of like okay, how how can a guy like you get a get a woman like that you know <laughs> you know like what what does she see in you <laughs> <laughs> hey
1: don't judge books by their covers <laughs> uh, uh but no i can understand that like it, it's tough for anybody when you're going through hard times to to see people who are just doing great and especially in the pandemic when like everyone's going through hard times um, I mean, legit, my partner and I made a conscious decision not to like post much about the stuff that was happening for us. Like, you know, when people buy their first house, they always post about it. We didn't even do that. We like didn't even tell anybody because we just felt so, so bad. Um, that things were going so well for us during a time when almost everybody we know was having a really rough go of it. Like, I think that there is an element of sensitivity that you can have as a human being in those situations um so i don't you know i don't blame you at all it's 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 natural um when you feel like you're being rubbed in somebody else's happiness when you're not you're not there at all i think we've all felt that way
0: No, that's why i don't like instagram because my problem with instagram is that it just shows it's just it's that it's that normal norman rockwell painting of like just Americana, like just perfection and all the happy moments and what have you. And I'm like, ah, oh, I hate looking at that because I know it's not real. I know it's not real. I know it's it's a fabrication. And you're just showing me the stuff you want to show me. You know, you're just showing me the good stuff. And yeah. I, and that's just I don't like that because that's just very disingenuous. Because like I don't I don't want to be pressured into uploading pictures of of like cool stuff I did or whatever. That's why I'm like, you know, screw Instagram. I'm just, I'm not, I don't use it anymore. I'm just, it's, my account is basically abandoned. I just, I just use it to just keep up with like people via messenger and that's it. Like, I well, there's most-
1: been this, <laughs> Yeah, there's been this amazing conversation happening amongst artists of all stripes lately about social media and the neg- negative effects it has on your mental health. Um not just not only from just seeing everybody else's only perfect moments and nothing else about them, but also from that pressure to upload upload your perfect moments all the time and like everything you do that brings you joy, if you're not turning it into content on the internet, you're missing an opportunity. And it it sucks and it it takes away some of your joy and artists even like even like big famous artists are are really speaking out about it right now i'm seeing more and more things online of people just being like i'm not gonna play this game anymore i will post when i feel like posting and 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 i'm gonna post the authentic shit, like when i'm having a bad day um and that movement has been really encouraging i agree with you on this it's It can be a cesspool. It can be really bad for your your mental health. And there's so much pressure on performers and uh, actors and musicians uh, to to play that game, to market ourselves using our social media accounts. And I I used to do it a lot. And as I've gotten older, I just I've backed off on it more and more. If you go on my Instagram right now, there's I've posted one picture so far this year and i just have not felt like posting any others <laughs> um but i still think about it every day every day i'm like oh i should post so that's still there and i i'm looking forward to the day when i can just let go of the the whole dirty game of social media maybe even get off of social media or like have private accounts where i'm only friends with my actual friends whoa wouldn't that be weird <laughs>
0: But even then, like, you know, I, I talk to my friends on Twitter, you know, via DMs, but even then it's like, that's not a conversation. I want, I want to have conversations and I'm like, you know, you know, we just, we just don't hang out anymore. And I, and I just feel like, you know, I, 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 we need this. We need, like, this is why I do the show. It's like, I want to have conversations with people, doesn't matter about what, just like have some sort of human connection again because we just don't have conversations anymore not meaningful conversations anyway
1: yeah i i miss my my work and life has always been a life of a lot of travel and a lot of getting thrown into brand new work situations with a bunch of brand new people being in that space for like a month or two or three and then moving on to the next project And I I thrive on that. And I love the connections you get to make with a wide variety of people. And everyone's always interesting in the entertainment industry. Um, So I I, I can relate to that strongly. Um, The first year and a half of the pandemic, I was so depressed. And then when it looked like things were opening up again before Omicron reared its ugly head, I got cast in two plays back to back. And I got a little bit of that back last fall. And it... I. I, I hadn't fully realized how how much I need that stimulation, that like, that the new people, new connections, and then also uh, having the opportunity to travel and, and uh, foster the older connections. I'm going to LA in a couple of weeks to shoot an indie pilot and I'm so excited to see so many of my friends in LA um, and like just thinking about it is giving me life. and when I didn't have it for a full year and a half, I, I, oh, man, I, I just felt like I was dead inside. I didn't even feel like me.
0: No, no, I totally agree, because like the past, especially back in 2020 when, you know, the stay at home mandates were a thing. like that was the worst. Like May of 2020 was the worst month of my life, because Aww. the entire country shut down. Everything was closed. And there was a curfew, and they were the government was like, "Hey, you know, you can't leave the house. You can only leave via if it's an emergency." And you were just—I was just stuck at home. And there were a lot of times where I just—I don't know—it eats at you. It really does. You know, I yeah, just, I felt so broken, and <laughs> you might not <laughs> notice it from. From uh, the episodes I recorded in May of that year, if you go back and listen to those episodes, but uh, I was broken. I was like, like I, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. I was like, I was like at my complete lowest I've ever been.
1: If and, you and... don't, if you don't give a, a newborn baby any attention or touch, it'll die even if it gets all the food and water it needs, it will literally die. And we are adult versions of that animal. We need each other. We need social interaction to be healthy. Um, And we might not die if we don't get any of it as adults, we're a little more resilient than that, but something in us starts to die. And you know, yeah, that that is, I think the core lesson that we've all gotten out of this experience is how much we need each other and how important it is not to take each other for granted and how important it is to make an effort to connect with the people you care about, however you can. I'm so sorry that you went through that.
0: No, no, it's, it's, it's fine. And, and that's why, like, one of the things I learned, especially, you know, during the pandemic when, you know, it was hard to get guests on and, you know, I wasn't, I'm not going to lie. Like, you know back in april of that of that of that year i got like nine rejections nine rejections in a day and you know suddenly those negative thoughts start creep start to creep in and you start to wonder like is it you you know are you doing anything are you doing are are you the problem oh everyone hates you this is stupid why are you doing this but like honestly now it's like rejections don't phase me anymore like okay one door
1: now you know what it's like to be an actor (laughs) yeah yeah
0: no one door one door closes another one opens like no no bullshit um a couple days ago I mean last week I got like three rejections one from an actor who you know I look up to you know he's like hey you know thanks for having me in mind but you know I'm I'm unfortunately unavailable I'm not scheduling anything right now blah 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 and I'm not gonna lie that hurt and, you uh, know, that was a tough rejection. And then out of nowhere, I'm just, like, recording an episode this week with someone I grew up with. So Oh,
1: cool. And, you know, like... with those rejections, you make like the actors do and just, like, follow up. Follow up in a few months. Keep building your audience. You'll get there. You'll get them. You'll get those people. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And, and you know, I, I can relate to the whole I'm not scheduling anything right now because there are times when – you're just so packed and as an actor it's always when it rains it pours and when it's not pouring you've got nothing to do um and i love those times i wish it could be a little bit more even like you're you're constantly just like getting a steady stream of stuff but in my career at least it's it's always been like okay for six months you're going to be absolutely insane and not get any sleep and then for six months after that you're not gonna have anything to do so (laughs) catch up on your reading Um, and I've seen that in a lot of my friends' careers as well. Um, unless you're unless you're doing something like like I have one friend who directs a really popular show that's always making episodes. they never stop. So she's just always crazy and needs a break desperately. but um, but in my career, it has been very much like you're racing to the finish line or your schedule is empty and you caught me during a time when i don't have that much to do which is great it's usually january and february which is so nice because the fall is typically a really crazy time leading up to christmas um so yeah I'm, I'm glad you contacted me when you did if you had contacted me in september or october though i would have been like i can't i got too much going on i'm doing all of my normal gigs plus i'm doing a theater piece and it's just so much so though i wouldn't i wouldn't take them too personally
0: no i mean i i'm kind of glad at least it was You know, the actor responding to me and not someone and not their representative who's like, oh, thank you for your (laughs) thank you for your uh, whatever we will forward to you and get back to you and they never do or just like no response (laughs) at all right. Oh, God, how many emails have I written that I didn't get any response for? I'm like, okay, dead, dead link, dead link, dead link. <laughs> uh,
1: I used to make a podcast. I know what that's like. So uh, it's 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 hard work, and it, you do have to deal with a lot of people saying no.
0: <laughs> but but uh, uh, You know, last episode I recorded, the guy was like, I wasn't sure what to make of your email because it felt like spam you know, you worded it like spam. And then I had to look at, look at, the look at the link you sent. And I'm like, Oh no, this is real.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great feedback. So now, you know, you, something you could change maybe to, to, you know, make your chances better.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But, but it's like, look, I, 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 I'm someone who, who has like a you know degree in business management. And one of the things I learned is that, you know, you kind of have to be especially nowadays, you know, if you want something you got to need to have that corporate way of talking and, you know, I don't like it, but it works. It gets me results. So, yeah.
1: You know. I guess it depends on who you're talking to. If you're if you're uh, if you're talking to agents and managers, then that would make sense. I have found for the most part voice actors if you're contacting them directly, we're kind of a chill bunch. In fact, it's what I love about uh, the voice acting community, um, as compared to the rest of the acting community, you get way less shitty competitiveness and backbiting and weird, like, like coldness in the voice actor community. And I'm not saying it's always like that in the general acting community, but there's definitely more of it. There's more people who feel, um, who are sort of beaten down by, by rejection or insecurity or fear or anxiety. And those things usually can can cause people to not be as nice to each other. Whereas in the voice actor community, people are just so dope. Like, I don't know what, I don't know why it's so different. Um, but like people don't get as, as, but hurt about like not getting a job they wanted in in voice acting it's more like oh well we're all talented so like if i didn't get it somebody else who's good got it and that's fine um you know and there's a lot more community support i've found um amongst voice actors so i would say like maybe like talking directly to voice actors like chillaxing is fine
0: I mean, and and it's not, and, and, you know, it's not, you know, it's not too formal. I'm like, I know. Yeah. I need to like lighten up. Oh, I thought your email was fine. I didn't think it was spammy.
1: Yeah. 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 No, no,
0: no. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's not, it's look, I've gotten spam, you know, you know you've made it as a podcast creator when you're getting spam from these quote unquote podcast networks that want your podcast for their thing. And I'm like, yeah, no, this is a scam. This is not yeah.
1: real. <laughs> I haven't made my podcast since 2018 and I still get those now and then. Yeah,
0: you do. Just- like that, that's amazing. It's like, Oh, we know you haven't updated since 2018, but you know, we would still like to have you on our network.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's weird.
0: I don't know. Um, anyway, uh, before we get going, cause uh, we're almost, uh, you know, we're almost at that, at that limit now. Uh, is there anything, you know, you're currently working on that you can talk about?
1: Yeah. So the big thing in my in my voiceover career right now is something I have been manifesting since 2016 when I nearly booked a car campaign. And, you know, I've, I've worked across all areas of voiceover, but I figured out pretty early on that commercial voiceover is where it's at if you want to be able to sustain yourself as an actor and have time to do projects that are really creatively fulfilling, but maybe don't pay as much. So um, I've been lucky enough to be the voice of two different brands for um, five years and two years each. Uh, those were kayak.com and Bud Light Limerita. And in 2016, I set my sights on a car campaign because car campaigns are fricking lucrative. And, um, I I nearly got one, didn't get it ever since then. Every car commercial I get an audition for, I'm like, this is the one. Anyway, I finally booked one. Um, and I've been since last fall, the voice of Infinity uh, Luxury Vehicles, their national campaign. Um, actually, that's that's what I have next. As soon as we wrap up, I prep for a session with them for a TV spot um and that is so dope i it's a dream gig it lets me use my like lower alto voice (laughs) which is always really nice because i can talk up here and i can be more girly but as you've been listening like this is where i like to sit um and you know it's multiple spots, and it's it's really fun. It's a really fun team. It's bringing in the kind of money that's going to help me to fund my own projects, um, and take more of the theater gigs and and indie um, indie film and and TV gigs that I like to do that don't always pay you very much money. So that's super exciting. Um, and I'm also going into year two of having my own production company as a producer and director of vocals for children's content, which is really, really so cool and not something I ever thought I would end up doing, but kind of happened to me. And I'm learning all of the ins and outs of being a business owner. Um, and if you want to check out some of the stuff I've produced, you can go to YouTube. If anybody out there has kids, um, and listen or watch the videos on Dragon D nursery rhymes and songs. If you've got kids that are like three to five, this will be their jam. Lots of songs about farting. It's really great fun. <laughs> um, and yeah, I'm just, I, oh, and I just voiced a, I did a couple of voiceovers for a, a Ken Burns documentary about, um, mental illness in youth which is an issue that is very close to my heart Um, i've had several people who are extremely close to me who have um lived with and uh overcome all of the obstacles that severe mental illness can throw at you and you know every time your artistic life and your personal life join like that it's really exciting so That's going to be upcoming, I think, in June of this year on PBS. It's called Hiding in Plain Sight. Um, Executive producer Ken Burns. Highly recommend everyone check it out because the team is fantastic and you'll hear my voice in it. So, yeah, just looking forward to 2022 being a better year than 2020 or 2021. Um, And I'm feeling really positive and optimistic about everything. So far, we're off to a really good start this year.
0: All right. Thanks so much for taking the time off to do this. And as always, if you ever want to come back for whatever reason, you know where to find me.
1: You're awesome. Oh, wait, can I mention one more thing? I was talking about voiceover stuff, but then there's one more thing I forgot. Um, This indie pilot that I'm shooting in LA in a couple of weeks. It's called For Years to Come. It's a pilot of a TV series that the actor, writer, producer, James Patrick Nelson has been developing for a couple of years. And it's um, a dramedy about uh, a young gay man who loses his mother and finds out in the process of losing his mother that his father was secretly a porn director. Um, And it's, it's got all the makings of a show that could really hit home for a lot of people. Um, queer characters are at the center of the plot, but their queerness is not the the main thing about them, you know, or like the main plot point that provides conflict and obstacle, which I always really love. Um, I'll be playing the main character's uh close friend Jeannie, who is a glorious pansexual like myself. And it's a project that's going to need some support. So if that kind of storyline appeals to you, if you want to help, you know, queer stories where characters queerness isn't the only thing about them and they're actually fully realized human beings, um, check out for years to come online. You can just Google for years to come. You will find it or Google James Patrick Nelson. Uh, there was a seed and spark campaign raising money. I'm sure there's going to be more opportunities to support, but we're going to try really hard to get this picked up by a streaming platform near you one day soon. So that's coming up and I'm so excited about it. Okay. Thank you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Take care. Bye-bye.
1: Thank you so much. Bye-bye.